I see much better now how my five or seven Clifton strengths tie together and the ones that I had felt were really not that much of a big deal. I can see better how they now fit in. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We hope you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that is unapologetically you and then go get it. If you feel like you were meant for more and you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. One of my absolute favorite things that we get to do at Happen to Your Career every day is we get to take different sciences and different disciplines and mix them all together. For example, in this episode, you'll hear how we take a problem-solving methodology that comes from Kaizen or Lean Practices and use it to diagnose your signature strengths. Okay, so signature strengths, what are signature strengths? You need to know that first. Well, Martin Seligman coined the term, the original term, signature strengths, and he defines it as those things that are essential to who we are. Well, why are these important beyond the obvious? Well, Gallup's research consistently shows that having an opportunity to use your strengths regularly results in more positive emotions more often and less stress, worry, anger, and even sadness. Okay. Paired together, these tell us that you are most likely to be happiest when you get to be yourself. Seems simple enough, right? But strangely, diagnosing your own strengths can be extremely difficult and often We need an outside perspective to help really define how our strengths reveal themselves in our life and work. I see much better now how my five or seven Clifton strengths tie together and the ones that I had felt were really not that much of a big deal. I can see better how they now fit in. That's Judith, one of our clients who's based in London, England. She's worked in financial services for over 20 years. And this is a very different episode from what you would normally hear on the HTYC podcast because we're actually sharing a one-on-one live strengths coaching session that I had recently with Judith. We recorded it and Judith had done all of her steps to diagnose her signature strengths, but she was still struggling to see how they really fit her and she felt like something was missing. So she reached out to us to see if she could get any additional resources. And on this call, you hear what happened as a result. I signed up for TCB in early September, and I had been reading some books and listening to your podcasts before that for a while. Um, And I decided that what I was trying to do in terms of change career and look for a new role would be much, much easier in a more structured environment and with some coaching. So that, that's what kind of led me to sign up for CCB. Yeah. I raised it through the first module, which is kind of setting yourself up for success. And then I got to the strengths module, which, um, where I did the, the Clifton Strengths uh, survey. I saw what my five Clifton Strengths were. I didn't particularly agree with some of them. So I adopted two more, which I felt were, were appropriate. And I got all the feedback. I went out to, I think, 35 people asking for feedback on my strengths. And there were no real surprises in what I got back. So things like, well, I'm organized, I'm structured, I'm tenacious, I get things done, I'm into languages, et cetera, et cetera. So there were no major surprises there. But it was still very much, I felt that I was being told, these are your skills rather than your signature strengths. Mm. From how I, how I had understood your description of signature strengths. And I'm also very much a person who likes to make sure I'm doing things the right way and that I'm going to get the right answer. So that's, that's a part of my personality. I've gathered that. <laughs> okay, you've seen that, yeah. You had mentioned the five whys on some podcasts and also in, I think, in some of the videos for, for module two on strengths, but I couldn't find an example. So I, that's what I got in touch with, with you guys and said it'd be really good to have some examples so that I could get deeper down from what, what I think are my skills to really understanding my signature strengths. And I've done some work on it. I've done some of the five whys, but I was getting kind of, I get convoluted answers and I was getting to the stage where I was I was saying to myself, well, the reason why you like languages is because your country was occupied by another country. So that was not very productive in terms of of actually moving forward and having that I can talk about about myself and interviews, etc. So that's really where I am. As I say, I know what my skills are, but I'm not clear. I'm not sure that I've really got to the nitty gritty of my signature strengths that I've explored deep enough. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Here's what I'm hearing out of that. One is you've got a really very, very solid amount of feedback in a variety of different forms, either from other people, coworkers, etc. And also from, you mentioned the Clifton Strengths Assessment. And 
it sounds like on the assessment in particular that some of those you agreed with very well and some of those disagreed with. So I think we can dig a little bit into that. I'm curious about that more so than anything else. But then additionally, you have gone through a a variety of different exercises and just don't feel like you've really gotten to, I'm going to call it the bottom of it for lack of a better phrase. Is that fair? That's right. Yeah. Cool. So I think what might be really helpful to help you get to the bottom of it is two things. We can go through the five whys, but I think we'll go through and we'll do that in a slightly different form. So the five whys being that exercise that we emailed back and forth about getting to the root cause. And I think there's really many different ways that we can get to what is the root, what is the bottom, what is the signature strength in this case. However, I think that we'll use the five whys if it's most appropriate someplace along the line. I want to try some other ways too, depending on what we find that you need as we're continuing our conversation. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. So do you recall your strengths from Gallup? Yes, I have them here in front of me. Fantastic. What are those? Go ahead and list those off. In order, for the first five, there's harmony, input, consistency, communication, and focus. And I've adopted discipline and learner as well on top of those. So harmony, input, consistency, communication, and focus? Yes. Okay. What were the two that you've adopted, learner and what? Discipline. Learner and discipline. Okay. I suspect, just based on the interactions that you and I have had via email, and then what your coach has shared with me too, that learner's probably in your top 10. Easily. I'm pretty sure. sure I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I love learning new things. It doesn't matter almost what I mean, to an extent, yes, but I'll learn almost anything. And and I love the learning process. It's not just the thing, it delivers the skill is that I learn at the end of it. Yeah, that makes sense. The two that you have seen less evidence or that you disagreed with, as you put it, what were those? So there was communication. I mean, I'm fine with communication. I can get up and I can talk in front of people, etc. But there were some of the verbiage around communication was that I. I really, really enjoy telling stories, which I wouldn't say is particularly the case. The more I satisfy the des- my desire to read, the more tales I'll have to tell. This sentence stood out. Few activities delight you as much as evoking images in your listeners' minds that bring forth laughter and tears. And I don't see myself as somebody who's the center of attention telling a story or telling jokes, etc., that, that people then react to. Mm. How do you see yourself as it revolves around communication? I'm probably more of a talker than a listener, which is something I'm trying to fix a bit. And I like being in small groups so that conversation is, it can flow from one person to another person. So it's not always me doing the talking. But definitely more of a talker than a listener is your natural, natural modality, natural tendency. Yeah, I have, to, like, I have to bite my tongue sometimes and go, let the other people speak. Okay. That, this is going to work well because I'm more of a listener than a talker. So okay. <laughs> we're going to get along just fine, Judith. The other one besides communication, which one was that? The consistency. The consistency, okay. Yeah, people talented talented in consistency are keenly aware of the need to treat people the same. And there was a second part of that I did agree with, that crave stable routines and clear rules and procedures. And I like putting in place rules and procedures for other people to follow. I'm possibly less of a a rule follower myself unless I agree with the rule. Mm, Okay, tell me about that. Give me an example. In fact, what would be really helpful here is give me an example where that's been the case, where it's like, eh, I'm not... Not so much of a rule follower on that particular area, but here's another area where I did agree with. Let's route through a couple of different examples here, just so we're on the same page first. Okay, so I have to be careful I don't get arrested here for, for speeding, because it's <laughs> going to be to do it to do it speeding. I'm very, very uh, strict about, about myself in terms of not speeding, say, in, within cities and towns, because people are crossing the road, etc. Whereas on the motorway, Germany, for example, doesn't have a speed limit on some of its motorways. And I think that's a very sensible rule. But I'm li- living in Britain at the moment. Yes. And there is a speed limit. And sometimes I go over the speed limit. And I think, well, there's nobody else on the road. It's, a, it's not a busy motorway. So the speed limit is a silly speed limit. But there, there's an example. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Do you find that that is pretty consistent across all areas of your life? in terms of how you selectively decide about uh, the rules, for lack of a better phrase? Yeah, probably. I'm just thinking about things like boarding planes and any examples that are coming to my mind. Yeah, I would say yes. If I agree with the rule, then I will follow it. 
if I disagree with the rule and it's not going to hurt somebody else, then I might not necessarily follow it to the letter. Okay. Were there any pieces of the communication or consistency definition that you did agree with? Yeah, yeah, good few. I mean, I did the highlighting exercise. So I went through the, the yellow highlighter That's pen. That's what I was going to ask um, next. Uh, but I yeah, figured um, the answer was probably yes, based <laughs> on uh, you like to do things right, which I suspect yeah, yeah. ties into a few of these these pieces in terms of your signature strengths. Yeah, you, so things like um, one-on-one conversations are a natural part of my day. I regularly establish rules or processes to handle recurring activities. I'm methodical. I establish a practice schedule and follow it. I persevere. Um, my training was very rigorous. I set up standard operating procedures. So that's inconsistency. So they would yeah. all apply. Yeah. Favor everybody using reliable step-by-step procedures. So that, that's on the consistency side. I had a lot less on the communication side. There were just a few thing, things. So it said I forthcoming nature, which is true. I'm open and honest. I'm not afraid to share. Yeah. Um, particularly in the workplace, I, I'm not the kind of person who holds on to all the information in case when I tell somebody else I'll lose my job. I'm really not afraid. I'd rather share all the information I have. And if that means I'm not no longer required, well, something else will come along and I'll find something else. So I enable others to share their thoughts and feelings with me. I would say that's true. I mean, I, in particular, more junior members of staff often come to me and want to, with help around political issues or how to deal with somebody. So that's something that is true. I can keep a discussion or small talk moving. I don't enjoy it, but I can do it. And I can occasionally search for the right words to make my point. I would have thought that applies to nearly everybody, but that's probably, that would be true. I would say no. <laughs> it does not apply to nearly everybody. Okay. However, it definitely applies to you, which is what we're talking about right now. And that was it. That was really kind of, I didn't find anything else. Okay. That's a great level setting for me here and gives us a, a great place to start. So here's what I'm thinking about. One other quick question on the, the discipline part. Why did you pick that up? You must have resonated with that. But what about discipline? Yeah, so I did the same highlighting. I found a description of discipline online and printed it out, and I did the same highlighting exercise, and loads of things came up that were applied to me. So I like my world to be ordered and planned. I instinctively impose structure on my world. I set up routines. I focus on timelines and deadlines. I break long-term projects into a series of specific plans and work through each plan diligently. I want to feel in control. I'm impatient with errors. And what else? Let me see. I'm productive despite life's many distractions. I recognize that mistakes might depress me. I've got a few examples of that. And I enjoy helping other people to add orders to their lives. So some of the feedback I got was from one, one or two people in particular was that when they're doing something with me, they just don't worry at all about what's required or where they need to be. They just know I'll, I'll make sure that they get to the right place at the right time and that everything that we're going to do there will be organized. Okay. Let's start with that part right there. So those people know that it's going to be done. It's going to be organized. It's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be a great end result when they're working with you, right? Yep. Okay. That particular area, that sounds like something that you got feedback on multiple times. Is that fair? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's something that I can't stop organizing and I've been doing it since I was four or five. Okay. Fantastic. Give me an example of that I can't stop organizing. Where's something that seems a little bit on the outliers or seems a little bit on the extreme side, but you kind of can't help it. Where has that come up in your either current role or past roles? So in, so I'm not, I'm not working at the moment. I'm, I've taken some time off, but yeah. one of two of the things I've done during that time was organize our wedding and make my wedding dress. And then as soon as that was finished, we did a house extension project. So we've increased the size of our house and I, I ran that project. And I had for both the wedding and the house extension project, I had Excel project plans and I made my husband come and sit down in project meetings, etc. And I had issues and risks log for the builder. So all of the skills that I've used in previous program and project management rules, I used those same skills through these two more personal projects. It makes me so happy that you did that for your wedding and your house extension. <laughs> That's great. It just, I, I kind of couldn't have not done it. I yeah. could not have had an Excel plan. It just it had to be that way. <laughs> I think that in that particular case, that was definitely you leaning hard into some of those skills. But what did that do for you? When you kind of begin to tear that apart or tease that apart, what did you get out of the deal? This is, I know that's a weird question, but go with me for just a second here. No, no, I understand. I think I might know where you're coming from. But what I got out of it was that I always knew what was supposed to be happening on a particular day. I also had things, let's say I'm just random example. 
Yeah. Part of the project included getting a new bathroom. And we had a guy coming to fit the bathroom on a certain day. And if I had just had in the project plan, fit the bathroom on the 1st of October, but not had all the tasks in to choose the shower, choose the tiles, etc., you know, a good few weeks and months in advance, then the bathroom fitter would have turned up and we wouldn't have had the, all of the things necessary for him to do his job. So it meant that at any point in time, I knew what needed to be done that day and also where there were problems. So if we didn't get everything done on a particular day, I knew that we had to spend work late that night to try and make sure we got we caught up on the things that were outstanding or we had to shift the priorities around or delay the fitter or take action to, to remediate any delays. In a nutshell, I knew what the situation was and where we had problems and where we were on track. Okay. What did knowing the situation and where you have problems and whether or not you're on track, what did that do for you? Be selfish here for a second. Yeah, yeah. made me feel more in control, made me feel that we were more likely to succeed by the date, our target date. They're they're the two main things. Why was it so important for you to succeed by the target date? I don't like to fail. So when I set myself a target, I don't like to not meet that target. Where do you think that that comes from for you? I don't think anybody loves to fail. Like most people don't love to fail. However, there's probably some places that have had an impact on that being a driver for you. I mean, I was always good at school, but I I worked hard, but not very hard. So success kind of came naturally. And then I suppose as I got kind of higher up in schools, as I advanced through the years, there were subjects that I found a bit more difficult. And I I remember failing an exam when I was 12. It was just a small exam, but I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to do that again. I'm always going to succeed is that the kind of thing you're you're thinking of? Yeah, there's not necessarily any right answers here. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's keep pushing on that for just a second here and see if we can make some really useful things out of that. So when you've had that type of experience or those other types of experience where you have failed and you're thinking, I'm not ever going to do that again, and instead are driven to succeed, give me some specific examples where you're particularly proud of that you have driven it to success, even though it was it was hard. One thing that comes to mind when I was 16, I think, I did an audition for the Irish Youth Orchestra. I play the violin. I did an audition for the Irish Youth Orchestra and I didn't get a place. And I, worked, I practiced an awful lot more in, in the following year and I did an audition again then and I got a place. So I worked hard to succeed the second time when I had failed the first time. What kept you going there? So the determination. I really, really wanted to be part of the orchestra. Some of my friends were in the orchestra. I guess there was a little bit of me at the time thinking, I'm not good enough, but I'm going to make myself good enough. I can do this. Yeah. I mean, I'm usually quite good at, at being able to motivate myself. If I have a setback in almost anything, I say, okay, well, I've just had a setback. There's no point moaning about it and being depressed about it. Get up and do whatever the action is that's necessary to, to come off that setback and try and succeed the next time. So it sounds like part of the way that you look at success is not individual failures, along the way. It's whether or not you accomplish the thing that's important to you at the time. How close is that to how you really think about it? And then what would you change from that statement? I would say that's pretty close. So I'm just thinking about my wedding dress that I made. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's a stupid idea and I don't recommend anybody does it. <laughs> I love that <laughs> you did that, very by the way. Stressful. <laughs> very stressful. It sounds stressful. <laughs> yeah. And my wedding dress was finished about five minutes before I put it on on the day of my wedding. So my aunt actually did the last few stitches. But I had decided I wanted to do this wedding dress. I realized about two or three months before the wedding that I just wasn't, it wasn't going to be ready unless I decided, unless I stopped work. And it was very important to me to do it. So I decided to stop work at that point and to devote myself to the wedding dress. So I, I looked at all the different possible options. It was like, I can go and buy a dress, but it's not going to be what I want. I can stop work and do it. I can make myself an easier dress. I suppose that would have been another option. And I thought, no, what I wanted to do, what the target I set for myself is this. I've had, let's call them setbacks. I haven't got to where I, where I wanted to be by now. I'm going to take the course of action that's needed or that I feel is needed to make sure I do the thing I set out to do. Okay. So here's what I'm hearing out of that. And by the way, we just did part of the five whys as well. We just asked slightly different questions that don't feel like why, because sometimes it's easy to get stuck uh, when it's just like, well, why, why, why? Instead, we're looking at it from a few different angles here. And one of the things that I'm hearing in all of these examples that you just gave me is that it's actually not just one strength popping up here as you are achieving some of these different pieces. If we start to pull them apart, and that's, that's what we've been doing by asking these questions, then it's actually multiple strengths or strength themes, as Gallup would call them, if we're using their terminology, that are coming together 
at any given point in time, allowing you to accomplish what you want or what is particularly important to you. Let me see if I can provide a little color on what what I mean by that. So let's take your wedding dress example, right? Yeah. So I think it's probably a fair assessment that, first of all, <laughs> most people in the world would not have embarked on that in the first place, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's thing number one. And then when you did, you really did leverage, I think, both of those pieces of consistency as well as discipline in being able to push through. And at the same time, you were definitely leveraging your learner strength. And also, I think one of the things that has a tendency to drive you as well is this harmony piece. Harmony is like taking a chaotic situation and taking all the steps and restoring it to whatever you consider to be normal or harmony. If you want to like take all of Gallup's definition and really reduce it down to you know, a couple of simplistic words. So all of those pieces were working at the exact same time in that scenario for your your wedding dress. And all of those layered hand in hand actually allowed you to get the thing finished. I think there's a very small portion of people in the world, very small percentage of people in the world that would have been able to do that. That are not already like if you make wedding dresses for a living or something like that. Like that's (laughs) that's one thing. However, people who don't do that are pretty unlikely to be able to make happen what you made happen. And part of the way that you made it happen was not just one particular area. It was leaning into all of your strengths, which allowed you to fully leverage some of the past experiences and skills that you've had as well. So we can keep going on this, but is this starting to make sense in terms of how these layer together? So I think when we talk about signature strengths, For you, it's these pieces in tandem. It's these pieces in combination with each other. It's not just one of these strengths themes that Gallup provides on an assessment, right? It's not just one piece of feedback that you got from reaching out to friends and coworkers and people that know you well and not as well and so on and so forth. It's really, for you, how these layer together over the top in a very unique combination. That allow you to do things that, quite frankly, are very unique in the world. And we've just talked about several. I mean, how many people do you think in the world in this day and age have made their own wedding dress, especially something as extensive as what you wanted and was important to you? I'm going to guess like point oh, like, I don't know, very, very little, right? Lots of zeros, yeah. Lots of zeros. So on one hand, you should absolutely be proud of that. And on the other hand, I think that really gives us a big window into how you're leveraging these strengths together. Same thing for the tryouts with the violin. Again, this is something that selectively is very important to you. And I'm picking up that theme there too. And I think that that's a really big part of it. And I think that It's a general statement true for most people. And when I say as a general statement, I'm talking about something has to be semi-important to you to take extreme action against it in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not interested in running, for example, and I'm never going to go and spend loads of time learning how to run or buying the right shoes or any of that kind of thing. Yeah. It's it's only things I want to learn about. And that basic part is, is true for most people in some way, to some degree. However, I think it's really amplified with you in particular, and we see it come out in in very selective ways, you are willing to take more action than the average person against that. And I think part of where that pops up, that's leveraging that consistency and discipline themes, as well as the harmony themes. I think harmony is kind of almost what gets you over the edge. It's, it's what causes you to have that desire to be in control to some degree, especially as it interacts with the discipline. Yeah, I never thought of that. Okay. So those two are working in tandem together and it almost amplifies your need for that. So when we get to the bottom of why why is that, I think that creates something that's very positive in your life. Not always. Sometimes you see the shadow side of that and it puts you in pretty stressful situations because you have a need to take this situation and bring it to order in one way or another, right? And that creates stress for you. But the positive side, what you're getting out of that, how you're benefiting out of that 
is that's something you have a deep desire for. Okay. Yeah. So, and I think it probably does a few other things for you. And that's where we could pick up on the wise part. Because if we want to jump 17 steps ahead here, like part of what you're going to be doing is taking these strengths and beginning to look at in the real world, where can I lean into these more so than what I even have in the past? So the more that you understand what you need and how some of these, just from a little bit of a selfish side, how these are benefiting you, the more that you can begin to decide, how do I find this and target these places in the real world where it's also benefiting mutually wherever I'm working or wherever I'm putting my time and effort into. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I can see, for example, you said a few minutes ago that I'm willing to take more action than the average person to get something done, something that's important to me done. Yeah. And, I, and I can see plenty of times in roles, in previous roles in the workplace where I've done that, whether it be to taught myself Spanish so that I could be more effective in one of my roles. I'll work longer hours if necessary. I'll talk to people I might not be comfortable talking to because I think they can help my team or whatever it does. I can think of a number of examples of where I've done that. So would you say then that one of my signature strengths is I'm willing to take more action than the average person? Or is, So here I am doing my perfectionist, I need the right answer. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's try and quantify these. I think that's a part of it. I don't necessarily think that that is causal. I think the result is that you take more action than the average person. But I think the real reason you take more action than the average person is these different pieces and parts in combination with each other. Because you have harmony and you are a learner, you're able to do things like you know, go learn Spanish because that's going to make you more effective and ultimately it's going to impact you know, bringing things to order that are important to you. So. Yeah. If we're looking at as signature strengths, I think we're looking at these pieces and parts in, in tandem. And the combination of them really is your, your signature strength. It allows you to make unique contributions. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm directly answering your question. I'm not directly answering your question. No, I don't think it doesn't make sense. You're not directly answering the question, I, would, I suppose. What I'm looking for, and as I say, this is my personality. What yeah. I'm looking for is a list of my five signature strengths or six or whatever the number is. And I don't feel off. So we're saying now that my signature strength or one of my signature strengths is the way I, my Clifton strengths, as we said, harmony, focus, discipline, learner, etc., how they interact with each other. But I, I guess I don't see that that's specific enough to be a. a Let's see if we strength. can take a crack at it and make it more specific in some of your own verbiage. Everybody's different. Some people lean hard on, if we're just using Clifton Strengths verbiage, which just gives us language to be able to talk about it, it's really most important that you understand it. However, this gives us a place to start in terms of language to talk about it. So let's keep going with, with Clifton Strengths. And for some people, they really lean hard into just a couple areas over and over and over again. You, I think, Part of something that's unique about you is you lean really hard into a large number of these. And each thing that we've talked about that is potentially difficult for you or is something that you have overcome or whatever else hasn't just been one or two of these. It, it, it's kind of been all of them in, in one way or another. And I think that that needs to be represented here when we talk about your signature strengths in one way or another. So let's take a crack at just defining these. I'm going to look at my notes and talk at the same time. And then okay. you tell me which parts I'm getting wrong. And we'll kind of move through it in a little bit of a messy fashion together to get some definition that feels good to you. Does that sound good? Okay. That, yeah, sounds great. Okay. Let's see here. Got the harmony, input, consistency, communication, focus, learner, and discipline. We've got, let's think about this almost, I don't use this all the time, but let's think about this almost as an equation for just a second. An equation for what creates a compelling work or compelling situation to you. So thing number one is it has to be important to you, whether it's work, whether it's, I mean, you literally moved on from your job because your wedding dress was really important to you. And that is awesome. It's also a good indicator that if that's not there, the rest doesn't matter as much. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So what makes that important or what makes something important to you or how would you 
quantify that. Let's do that messily here, yeah. imperfectly. What makes something important to me? I guess I have to be learning, which is come, I guess comes back to the learner. So in my last role, I got quite bored some of the time because I was doing the same repetitive stuff. And it's also stuff I used to do maybe 10 or 15 years ago or even longer ago. So it was a, the role was slightly more junior than, than roles pre, just previous to that. So I wasn't learning and I wasn't particularly challenged on that side. And so I didn't enjoy the role. Okay. So for you, it's not just about learning. It has to be challenging you enough. It has to be the right level of challenge, right? Yes. Okay. What else? Anything else that makes it fall into the important category for you? Nothing's coming to mind at the moment. What makes you feel personally vested into it? Because that's one of the themes that I'm seeing again and again. You'll take pretty extreme actions, especially leveraging your learning strength in order to accomplish a goal or... Yeah, yeah, I've thought of something. Um, if I say I'll do something, I'll do it. So I told everybody I wanted to make my, I was going to make my wedding dress. So, so therefore for me, you it was unthinkable <laughs> that I would yeah. turn up in something that I hadn't made. Yeah. Why is that so important to you? That's probably pride. <laughs> um, if I hadn't succeeded in making it, I would have felt that I'd let myself down. Probably that I looked, that I had tried to take on too much, that I had failed at that particular goal. Beaten a little. I don't mean beaten in the sense that I would have been depressed for six months or anything, but yeah. I would have felt something got the better of me. No, that's not allowed. Not allowed. I guess I feel, and I don't want to sound big-headed or anything, but if I set my mind to do something, I can do it. I don't mean I can go out and suddenly become a famous sports person like, you know, or anything like that. But if I, if I set myself a goal, even if it's a really hard goal, of course I can meet it. I just need to keep the focus and do it. For you, this is something I didn't ask before. Have you declared or set those goals and found later that even though you may have finished it, like, what, this really wasn't actually that important to me or I, I should not have done this in retrospect or by the time you get to the end of it, you are attached to it and your perception of level of importance matches, I don't know, the work that went into it. Help me understand how you how you think about that or if you've had that experience where they've been mismatched at the end. I suppose, I mean, looking back at the wedding dress again, I didn't realize how much work it would be. I, when I stopped work, I literally worked 70-hour weeks for the next two months to get my dress done. And wow. I just, yeah. And, and, and I, I, I pulled in some help from outside. My aunt helped me and I asked advice from various places and I, was, I found a few things online to help. But it was more than a full-time job for the eight weeks or seven or eight weeks. Yeah. So if I had known that, maybe I wouldn't. Maybe when I made the decision to make the dress, maybe I wouldn't have made it. Maybe I would have just said, no, that's actually too big an ask. Is that typically what happens for after you declare something to be important? And then you, like learning Spanish, I suppose there's not as clear of a end line it's not, for yeah, Spanish. It's not, exactly, yeah, in, <laughs> so it maybe just, a bad example. But. Yeah, and I love languages and I speak a few languages. So learning another one is relatively easy. It, but once again, it takes time. You just have to, I, yeah. I just have to put the time and work on it. With, with a language, you don't get to the point where now I'm fluent and yesterday I wasn't. It's, it's a process. So it's slightly different. Just trying to think about work situations, which are different, obviously, in, in a work situation. It's, not, it's less the case of me saying, I'm going to achieve this. It's usually the organization's goals are this and my part of the, of the goals is to achieve this. And it's something that, yes, I've taken on, but it's also been maybe assigned to me by my client or, or my, my manager. So it's kind of less clear I mean, I, to be honest, I think the wedding dress is probably the biggest thing I've ever taken on in my life. Mm. I would say that. Okay. So for you, then there's several different places, several different pieces, excuse me, that make it incredibly important. It either has to be embedded into something else that you've already declared as important, like a job or role that you're already working in, where it is a piece of the work, if you will, or it has to have that learning and the right level of the challenge involved in it. And then additionally, I think that there's some element here of that pride piece. I think that's involved in it. Yeah. We can come back to that here in a minute. Okay. So we've got to have this importance piece. And then additionally, once you get into it, it's almost like once you get into whatever it is, whatever the project is, whatever the goal is, whatever the thing is that we're trying to make happen, then it really is this combination of almost the pair of consistency and discipline, I would say. Mm -hmm. I think the think about the learner piece is that's like creating a foundation underneath. It's almost like feeding all of these other 
other strengths. As long as that challenge is there and as long as you get to learn in some of the ways that are most important to you, then and as long as we have something important that you're you're working on, then that allows it's that foundation underneath that sort of like feeds the other pieces here. Uh, yeah. You know, once you start, then your discipline and consistency begin to really kick into play. And almost at the top, layered over the top of everything else is that that harmony. So the harmony is wanting to bring it in, wanting to take this situation, which may be chaos, may be not in perfect order and bring it to order. And the discipline and the consistency are part of what keep you going into doing that. The input side of it, I heard it crop up many different ways, even to where you're saying, hey, I got a little bit of help from the outside. I sought out feedback here. You've mentioned those types of phrases as we've been going along four or five times. They're cursory, though. They're on the on the outside. It's not necessarily what is driving it, but it helps you push it over the finish line in one way or another. So I would say it's more of a, a tendency, but it's kind of an underlying tendency, if you want to think about it that way. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Yeah. When I read the input description, I felt, yeah, it kind of applies, but it wasn't. The, 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 the phrases, the verbiage didn't jump out at me. Well, and I think also that it's less tangible for you in how you work. So it's there, but it's not the reason everything works. I think the real reason everything works, if we want to focus on creating the definition for, for signature strengths purposes, I think it really is that you can't help but to be ordered and planned and trying to bring things back to feeling like you're in control. That causes you to be incredibly productive, to allow things to be in order. And I think that your communication piece is almost a natural byproduct. I think part of the reason you've kind of disagreed with communication is I think that in some ways you have some of the natural tendencies there, but it's been a, you've needed to develop that over time and you've had been forced into situations or you're a part of situations that require you to gain a lot of experience in that area. So it becomes a strength based on it being a product of your environment in other areas. So your discipline and consistency and harmony have caused communication to move up in your strengths. Does that make any kind of sense? There's yes. also natural yeah, tendencies yeah. there, but I think that's also explains why when you look at that, it's not like, oh my goodness, this is me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, which I didn't get at all for the, for the communication. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and possibly if I'd been in other roles I would, where I hadn't been in situations where I had to either give talks or whatever, I wouldn't. The communication might not, not have come, uh, scored so highly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you have been in a variety of different situations where it required you to get better at communication. So it leaned into you, some of your learning pieces in one way or another. And naturally, communication has, over time, become a strength where some of the other ones might be built in more from both nature and nurture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so back to signature strength definition here. So I, I really think that it's about this desire to be, like we'd say signature strength number one, I think it's really this desire to be ordered and planned or be in control. I think everybody wants to be in control to some degree. However, you have an extreme need for it that is driving a lot of these pieces here. And I think that that's control slash harmony. Okay, and you would state it like that? So one of my signature strengths is the desire to be ordered and planned and be in control. At least as a rough draft, yeah. Okay. I'm looking at the other pieces that really are tangibly. But I think it's about, in those areas, desire to be ordered and planned and in control in the areas that are most important to you. Yeah. yeah I mean, and that certainly fits. I mean, it's, well, I've been calling it just, I've been saying I'm organized, I'm good at putting structure around chaos, planning, etc. So it's just like a different way, I guess, of saying that. I think it is more than that. And I think that most of society is not going to understand that that little tidbit that we just talked about, you know, that desire to be ordered and planned and in control for those areas that are most important, important to yeah. you. And we're operating on a definition of important that allows you to use your learning, has the right level of challenge, has some measure of pride associated with it, or it's embedded into other things that are important to you as well. Yeah. 
But I think all of those are contiguous. All of those pieces must be there. So in my mind, they need to be a part of the definition. And we may not have the perfect verbiage necessarily. However, that's exactly where I would start because all those little pieces are really driving the day-to-day or actions that you take over over time to move something across the finish line. So I'd say that that would be one of your signature strengths if we're meshing a couple of those together. And I think the other one has to do with learning separately because that's really creating that foundation, creating that bedrock for you to enable all of these other pieces. In my mind, I've been putting that off because I'm trying to figure out how to quantify that for you or help you quantify that. But let's see if we can get through that piece of it together here in the next mm-hmm. couple of minutes or so too. I mean, one of the things I've come up with in, since I've started working on this is that when, I love new situations and learning and I actually actively look for opportunities to push myself out of my comfort zone. So if I look back at pastorals, I went into a, I was asked to, to go to Milan and to run a major program that had been failing. Yeah. I didn't know the nitty gritty, the detail of, of all the different projects, but I had the organization skills, the I wanted to go in and learn about the different projects. I wasn't phased by the fact that I didn't know any of that detail. So I had the challenge of learning the environment in Italy and also the challenge of language. So I learned Italian. And that gave me, that, that satisfied my learning, I suppose. And then I was able to use my consistency, harmony and discipline to actually push things forward and get it over the line. So that would be one one situation, I guess, where, and I enjoy that. And in another role I went into, I didn't, once again, I didn't know the, the technical topic, but I was using my program management, my organization skills. And then I learned the topics so that I would be more effective at my role. So yeah, the learning thing, I enjoy doing that. I don't want necessarily want to just go in and run the same kind of program as I did before, because then I wouldn't be using my learning piece. There's a lot of people that fall into the learning category. And there tends to be a lot of different reasons why or what people are getting out of the learning. So I think our answers are there. So let's ask just a couple of questions okay. to see if we can unpack that. If you were not having the doing or application along with the learning, because every single example that I've heard so far has some measure of using what you've learned extensively and even maybe even graduating beyond what the initial learning objective might have been. If that application piece was not there, do you feel you'd still get the same joy out of learning? Yes. Yeah, and an example, I decided, I went to Italy when I was, I think, 21, and I decided within minutes of arriving in the country that the language was beautiful and I was going to learn it. So I just learned it because I thought it was amazing. I didn't need it. I didn't use it for years. And I loved the learning process. So I loved the language, but I also, I got a major kick out of every time I was able to say another thing or learn a more complex grammar structure. I, I enjoyed that process. When you say I got a major kick out of when I was able to say another thing, tell me, tell me about that. What do you mean by that? Say, for example, when I learned the past tense and suddenly I was able to start talking about the past tense more fluently, uh-huh. um, that gave me a feeling of, oh, I'm getting better at this and a sense of satisfaction. I didn't do exams for a while, but then I, I decided to put myself forward for two state exams shortly after I started work. It was a way of measuring my improvement. I didn't need the qualifications, but for me, it was a way of proving to myself that I was getting better. Okay. So if you didn't have the means to see that you were either getting better or learning, would that still feel the same? Like if you were just going through and learning about Italian, but not necessarily having that same level of practice or not necessarily having some of those checkpoints or milestones along the way, would that still be just as enjoyable to you? Probably not quite. I like getting a qualification or knowing that I've got to a certain level which is often achieved by passing an exam. So no, I, th- I mean, yes, I enjoy the learning, but I really enjoy taking that box. I've, I've, now I've achieved that level and I can start working on the next level as opposed to, I think I'm that good, but I'm not quite sure. Okay. All right. So for you, it's about the progress, not specifically about the learning then. So just as an example for differentiation, I've coached many people before where they might fall into the other side of the category where they're learning about a particular topic and For them, it's more about the joy comes in the entertainment of learning, not necessarily the the progress that can come from the output of learning. Does that make any kind of sense in terms of the differentiation? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think for you, though, it is maybe you're getting joy out of the act of learning it, but that 
other side of it, being able to check the boxes, as you said, or take some of the exams or yeah, accomplish the, the next thing. Part of it is the progression or the progress that happens along with the learning in tandem for you. That is really what is making it most beneficial for you. Okay. All right. So then, so it's not just about learning. It's also about learning something that's important to you where you can show progress to yourself too. Because it's not necessarily about, sometimes it's about outputs for other people as well. And I think that's where it'll start to engage other areas more frequently, like your consistency, like your discipline. But initially, learning those things that are important to you where you can that show that progression seems small, but I think that that's something that's really important because think about like future roles. If you are just exposed to being to learning things that are not important to you, but required in one way or another, that's not going to be a good fit or vice versa. If your goal is to learn without progression, that's not going to feel as good to you either. Yeah, and progression doesn't need to be an exam. I mean, there can be other ways of, like, for example, Spanish. I didn't do exams, but yeah. when I first ran a conference call in Spanish, then that, that was a, a mark of progress, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you have to see that progression. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't feel the same to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're hitting on r- things that are really, they seem small, but they're actually really big for you. And you have these these pieces that we've talked about here not just for learning, but for the other areas too, that are really deep level needs and giving you a lot of satisfaction in one way or another. So I think it's going to be really important for you that you're focused on these smaller pieces in your next role, like the opportunity to learn with progression, as an example, or like the ability to make sure that you're lined up, first of all, with a situation working on stuff or with an organization or with people that you feel is important to you and falls into that category and is at the right level of challenge and allows you to, here's something else we didn't talk about, but that progression I think is common to a lot of these different areas of your strengths, allows you to, for lack of a better word, level up over time where you're not working on the same exact thing over and over again. Because I think what I'm hearing from you is that once you learn it, once you apply it, once you meet that progression, if you're continuing to do that same thing over and over again for a long period of time, that's no longer going to feel challenging. And then it's going to feel, even if the other pieces are there, it's not going to be good for an extensive period of time. No, no, I start to feel bored quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So does that make yeah. sense how we're starting to then take these tiny pieces and apply them back in the form of what you're actually looking for. So we've got really basic definite, really basic definitions for some of your signature strengths. And I think you can continue to hone and wordsmith those in terms of what feels right. But these subtleties that we're talking about are the, and how these overlap are really the most important pieces for you. Because if you're missing them out of your work, it's going to be misaligned or it's going to feel misaligned. And you're going to be like, I don't know why this feels misaligned. Yeah, and this isn't the right rule for me, and what yeah. I, I need to leave and do something else. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, this has been really, really useful. Um, I have a load to think about now. <laughs> which, <laughs> okay. So, so which is good. Just to kind of round it out here, initial reactions or takeaways. What's one thing that was reaffirmed for you? And then I'll ask what was one thing that was a new way to think about it for you so we can capture these. I see much better now how my five or seven Clifton strengths tie together. And the ones that I had felt were really not that much of a big deal, I can see better how they now fit in into to me as a person and, and to my strengths and where they come from. So that was a, a kind of a new thing. Reaffirm. I guess I had kind of started the five whys or it's not always why it can be what or how or whatever as well. I had started asking myself those questions and I had got some of the way, but I just hadn't gone far enough. So it's been, and I, I can see now I've still got a load of work to do. I, I need to do the same with some of my other, with some of my other skills and get to the bottom of those. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that there are these desires that drive you. And I, I'm using the word desires because it's definitely something that is deep rooted that you want. And I mean, we could even go further and say, hey, how did you acquire these desires along the way? And we could go into the clinical side of it. But I'm not sure that that unless you really want to explore that with with somebody else later, I don't think that that matters as much. Yeah. I think what's important here is that you get a lot 
out of being incredibly organized and you get a lot out of feeling more in control where you can for those areas that are really incredibly important to you for other reasons. And I think the more that you can work with that rather than against that is going to be, it's going to change your quality of life over time because yes, sometimes those things are going to cause stress, but also the other side too, like you not feeling in control or not having pieces in place to allow that feeling of control to satisfy that desire, then that's also going to cause stress if it's swung too far the other way. Yeah. Yeah, and if I don't have a project plan, then yeah, I, if I let myself get into a situation where I don't have a project plan for whatever reason, it doesn't happen very often, but then yes, I, I start to feel stressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So the more that you can recognize those pieces and just call it for what it is, like, look, I need this. I get a lot out of this. I benefit tremendously when it is this particular way and find find those ways that interact with those strengths and, and ultimately those desires that are driving a few of these strengths here then that's going to continue to refine your quality of life, especially as you continue to change roles or organizations or whatever over time or make future equivalent of whatever would be the wedding dress for the next project. Never again. <laughs> oh, there'll probably be something yeah. else. But... There'll be something, yeah. There'll be something. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, I think, really, really great takeaways. Anything else that I can do for you to help make this tangible and useful for what we've covered so far? No, I don't think so. I think this has been really, really useful for me. And as I say, I, I have a lot of thinking to do and, and work now to to use the, the kind of the conversations we've had and use the techniques that we've we've um, you've, or you've used with me um, and see how I can apply them to some of the other things I've got on my list of skills. Signature strengths are one of the topics that we get the most questions about. So of course, we dedicated an entire chapter to them in our book, Happen to Your Career, An Unconventional Approach to Career Change and Meaningful Work. And quick fun fact about the book, other peeps who listen to this podcast are calling the HTYC audiobook the best audiobook experience that they've ever had, hands down. First of all, thanks to Tim for that review on Amazon and Audible. And second of all, chances are high that if you love this podcast, you'll love the audiobook even more. So you can get it by going and visiting happentoyourcareer.com slash book. And I, th I think that you'll love it. Let me know what you think, by the way. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios, I'm out.